I, <laughs> and <clears throat> sometimes when I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, okay, what do you want me to teach on? And he'll, he'll bring me to a passage in the scripture or to a certain idea. And I'm like, well, who, who's that for? So that's kind of where I was tonight. I'm like, I don't know if this is for some, everybody, or if it's just for one person, or if it's just our times. But, but I want to speak to you tonight about faith. Um, and I think faith is one of those words that gets thrown around, and maybe, maybe we're not using it quite right. Um, I, I want us to look tonight about its biblical meaning. Faith... I guess you're not supposed to start with a negative, but I'm doing it anyways. Faith isn't me wanting something to be true, right? So, um, I, I, uh, a few months ago, my, my, uh, our oldest son moved to Austin with his wife. And I, Vanessa and I got back from India, and we went down to Austin to spend a few days with them. And, and uh, she has an Audi, and I got to drive it. And uh, I, I have an Altima. And I thought to myself, you know, Audis are nicer than Altimas. <laughs> so I, I went out to my Altima when I got home, and I said, I believe, I believe, I have faith that my Altima is now an Audi. <laughs> with a high-performance engine and transmission and really cool interior. Amen. (laughs) And so I went out into the garage, and lo and behold, it was still an Altima. Now, somebody, now especially if you watch Christian television, you would come away and you'd say, well, Brother Ekno, the problem there is that you just didn't have enough faith. If you just had more faith, then, then, then your, your Ultima would have been an Audi. Now, they don't really say it that way, and, I, and I'm just having fun with it all. But, you know, see, sometimes we get this idea that faith is me believing or me wanting something to be true. But faith isn't just me wanting something to be true. Uh, uh, faith is not an empty hope or even positive confession. And you think about this, the whole positive confession thing, as, as though me speaking something could bring it into reality. Now, who does that? Who speaks and brings something into existence? God. And I would just propose to you, and it's not the message tonight, that this movement in American Christianity that that talks about positive confession and speaking things in has eaten from the wrong tree. What was the lie in the Garden of Eden? Right? The Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. Everything's going good. And Adam and Eve are there. They've got all that they need and they have no negatives. All they know is good. And Satan comes to them. The deceiver comes to Eve and says, Listen, you could be like God. 
knowing good and evil. And they just were, you know, Eve just like, well, that sounds like a great proposition. But think about this, friend. If you could go back in life and remove all the evil from your life, wouldn't it be better? Do you see, only God up to this point even knew evil. Only God knew of the rebellion of Satan to begin with. And Eve said that, 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 that oh, it, to be like God. But here's what I want you to understand. When we start to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we start to take upon ourselves the, the idea that we could be like God. And who, God is the one who speaks and something comes into existence. And that's for God alone. And so, so that's not faith. Biblical faith has its source in God. Biblical faith is me hearing from God, primarily through his written word, and responding to what God says, despite my ability to see or understand what God has revealed to me. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at a bunch of scripture, and and we'll be done by 9 o'clock, I promise. Sorry, buddy. Someone asked me, someone comes up to me, you know, and they start telling me, oh, don't be long tonight because I got to get up at 3.45. I do too. Every night I get up around 3.45 to go to the bathroom. You get no sympathy from me. Right? A lot of us old men, we know that that's like, you're young. Uh, It'll be before nine, I promise. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Father, I think everybody in this uh, auditorium has heard this verse and maybe memorized it and repeated it. And so I, I, I just pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that you would bring a renewal or an awakening, a revival of understanding about who you are. Lord, that we might be in these tumultuous times a people of faith. Lord, that you would have your way, that you would speak and we would respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, why is faith important? Because really, faith is the, the, is the foundation to everything we are as a people. And someone was calling me the other day and seeking some counsel. And, and, and they were talking about, you know, all these questions and all these worries and all these fears. And, and I kept saying, you know, I don't think it's going to get better. I, you know, I, I'm usually an optimist, you know. But... I'm not like super optimistic about where our world is. I'm just kind of listening for the trumpet. I, I, I'm not an end times guru. I don't really understand it all. I, I, in, my, in my seminary master's program, I took a course on Revelation and Daniel. And, 
And before I took that course, I thought I had it all figured out. I understood everything. And then I took the course, and now I'm just confused. But I do believe that we are in the end of the end times. And I think that, that, that as a people, we, we have gotten so spoiled by our American prosperity that, you know, we haven't had to live by faith. We've lived by our substance. We've lived in our prosperity. And I'm not saying I wish any evil. I hope good times come again. Because there's a lot to do. There's a lot of people to hear the gospel, a lot of people to respond. But I'm just thinking as a people, we need to learn to be a people who live by faith. But if we have misconceived ideas about what faith is, we're, we're going to miss it. So, so he says, now faith, faith is, a, is living in a hope that is so real that it gives absolute assurance. People say, take a leap of faith. There's no such thing as a leap of faith. A leap of faith makes it seem like you're not sure. But, but faith has a foundation which is God himself. The promise is given to the Old Testament saints. When you read through the Old Testament scriptures, they were so real to them because they believed who God was. They understood, they believed who God was, and they based their lives on those promises. You see, what we have coming in, in, in American Christianity, and I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at you, I'm just saying these are my observations about what's going on in American Christianity, is people talk about faith, but they don't even know who God is. They've got a, a, a misconstrued view of God, and so they have a, a, a faulty faith if you will. All of the Old Testament promises related to the future. But the faithful among God's people acted as if they were in the present tense. So you see, when you read the scripture, friends, and you see in God's revealing, he's opening your eyes, and that's really what we need. We need our eyes opened. So we see what is the real, what's real, and that's what God said. And he's saying then, and then we respond as the people who live and base our lives based on what, what God says and what he reveals. You see, the Old Testament saints, they simply took God at his word and they lived on that basis. They were people of faith and gave, faith gave them a present assurance and substance to what was yet future. So we need to understand, faith isn't me believing, you know, like if it's just my Altima turning into an Audi, that's not real sure, is it? No matter how tight you close your eyes. Right, David, you ever do that? Right, you say, you know, because you heard someone say, well, you know, you have to have faith and, and don't doubt, because if you doubt, then it ain't going to come to pass. That's more akin to voodoo. Right? It's, that's like some kind of mystical magic. Faith doesn't have anything to do with that. Faith is the reality that God says something and it's true because God says it whether I can sense it with these eyes or not. 
And then I respond to what God reveals and I live my life on that basis. So what we need to understand when we're looking at faith is the object of faith is critical. And the object of our faith, friends, is God alone. Sometimes people have faith in their faith. But I'm saying the object of your faith is what God says and who God is. Faith always has an object. And the value of a person's faith is directly related to the value of the object of that faith. Faith that's focused solely on Christ as its object will bring happiness, security, and fruitfulness. Right? Like I've heard people say, well, you know, you get on a plane, you say, yeah, plane, that I got faith in that plane. And I fly a lot. And I don't use the word faith. You know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that those GE engines will, will go. They'll keep humming the whole way. But, but my, what, when I talk about faith, I'm talking about something more secure than a couple of GE engines on a Boeing aircraft. I'm talking about the creator and sustainer of all things. And that's Jesus. And so I want to, what I think what we need to do is we need to become a people. When we talk about being a people of faith, we're really only talking about people who become a Christ-centric people. Who know what, who Jesus is for us, who he is in us, and what he desires to do through us. Matthew chapter 9 verse 2 is a story of, of some friends and had a, a, they, they, they brought their sick brother. He says, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sin be forgiven thee. Now, why did they tear the roof off of that one house? Was, was the faith the tearing the roof tiles off so that they could lower their, their friend down at the feet of Jesus? Or was the faith, the object of the faith, Jesus himself? And see, what I'd propose to you is they could have torn the roofs off of every house in that village and their friend would not have been forgiven nor healed. But these people knew and their, and their knowledge was incomplete. But they knew there was something about Jesus and they had heard that Jesus could heal. And so they said, hey, we got a friend with the palsy and there's only one person who can solve this problem and that's Jesus. And they removed every obstacle to getting to Jesus. They actually tore the tiles off of the roof and they lowered them down. But Jesus saw their faith. See, I don't know if you, you see where I'm going with this thing. You say, oh, I got faith. I got faith. But faith isn't what you feel. Faith is always evident in the way you live. Right? Faith is evidenced in your actions and your attitudes. 
right? Now, when you're making 100000 a year and you're getting your annual bonuses and everything's going good and, then, and you're sending in your offering every week because everything's good and you're saying, oh, I got faith. But what happens when everything goes reverse? Do you start overanalyzing your checkbook and do you say, well, now I can't give the way God wants me to give because, well, now I'd have to have faith. Do you see what I'm saying? What I want us to get to is that we're entering into times where we must be people who have this assurance that if God reveals, God says something to us, that we're going to be people who respond to what God says. See, faith isn't passive, but faith has this object, which is Jesus, which is everything that life is about. (coughs) It was faith that could be seen. You see, they didn't let a crowd keep them from Jesus. They tore a hole in the roof and they lowered them down because they knew that the object was Jesus and that it had to be about him. And there, there are all kinds of examples of people expressing faith in coming to Jesus. But when you look at those stories, it was always about the person of Jesus, our Christ. And now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for. Substance comes from the Greek hypostase, the term, and the term refers to the essence or the real content, the reality, as opposed to mere appearance. Faith is all about a person, Jesus. So faith in Christ is the foundation for life, the solid rock on which all of life is built. If it's not there, man, the storms will come. Right? And and I see it all over. You know, uh, Americans, we've gone through recessions before, haven't we? But most of them are, are done by now. And, and, you know, when you look at the news, and I don't know, I don't pretend to know what's going on. Um, people keep asking me, what do you think? And I'm like, I, I don't see anything that makes it seem like it's going to get better. And you say, well, is this bad? And I say, well, you know, I don't know. But it could be real good for us. It could be real good for us. See, the reason I love being and working in India and and throughout Asia is because I work with people who have absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing. And so they, they, when they get saved, when they, when they enter into Christ, they got everything. And I'm not saying they don't have trials. You know, we, we're, we're constantly going on and buying food or getting clothes or doing, you know, all kinds of things to, to help and to assist them. And, and, but, but I see kids running around half naked with a, you know, with a rock and a string and they're like happy. Because, listen, when Christ enters into a family, it's all about Jesus because there's nothing else. And, and the reality, friends, is in America, we've had lots of other lovers. I'm going to talk about that, I think, on Sunday night. 
I shouldn't tell you that because you might not want to come someday. But come and bring a friend. <laughs> but I, yeah, never mind. Pretend I didn't tell you. I didn't give you the scoop. You know, here's the reality is it brings us, these hard times bring us back to where the foundation and it's all about Christ. And that's okay. Because Christ is everything. Right? If you believe what he says is true about himself and about you in him. Faith doesn't make something real. Faith is simply the recognition of what God says is real. So, do you see, Why is that important? Because sometimes people have faith in their faith. And they're believing something is true. But faith doesn't make something true. Faith is just you entering into the recognition that God has declared it to be true already. Faith then provides the firm ground on which we stand, waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. Faith is the most solid possible conviction. Faith is the present essence of a future reality. Through faith, the heart is anchored and remains steady no matter how fierce the storm nor how protracted the season of waiting. Faith is a firm persuasion so strong that it gives the soul a kind of possession. But you have to remember that the substance of faith is not us, but on God. You see, faith isn't even centered in me, but on him. In faith, we live from the life of God. This is the beauty of the new covenant that we've entered into. Friends, he's liberated us, that Jesus performed all so that we could have him living in us. So that we could live again from the tree of life. Right in the garden, there was those two trees that they talked about. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've talked to you about it before over the years, you know. And, and what happens in religion is we, get, we, try, we, we, we try to get people from the evil side of the tree over to the good side of the tree. And really, that's, that's good, right? Because if you live on the evil side of the tree, you're going to have all kinds of problems. But the reality is it's still the wrong tree. So every, if you get everyone dressing right, talking right, acting right, doing all the things from the right tree, you still have death. But what tree did he give us to live from? He said, you can freely eat from the tree of life, the tree of dependence, the tree of which is the life of God. And where does he live? Because see, we, 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 we sometimes we're like, well, yeah, I, you know, He's up in heaven, but Jesus lives in me. But sometimes we live life forgetting that he does live within us. That he put his life in us, that he went to the cross. And what Corinthians says, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And why did he make us righteous? Because we were acting righteous? No. He made us righteous. He sealed us unto himself so that he could plant his life within us. So faith is me living from the indwelling life of God, not trusting my own ability or my own resources, but living from him, having this recognition that he's in me and so desires to express his life through me. 
It's a lie. Faith is a life of complete and utter dependence upon God. How do we know we're living by faith? Because it takes God to work all the time. You know, sometimes we'll talk about giving by faith. But if you're giving from your abundance, or if you're giving from your excess, it's not really faith, is it? But faith is God saying, listen, John, I want you to give this. And John says, what? Have you seen my checkbook? That's faith. You mean even those kind of conversations with God? Yeah. And saying, okay, God, it's all beyond you. You know, sometimes we'll say that, and you know, I don't know. But really, isn't it true that when we come to the place where we see that only God can do it, that we actually see God do what only God can do, and that all along he's been wanting us to be and to live in a place of utter and complete dependence upon him? You see, friends, Faith is more than a bare assent to anything revealed and declared by God. It's a firm persuasion of that which is hoped for through the power and faithfulness of God. He shall yet possess it. It must be revealed to God because it has nothing to do with your own desires. But what you hear from the revealed word of God. People sometimes will tell me, they say, I got faith. I'm like, okay, what did God show you? Oh, no, God didn't show me anything. It's just what I believe. Oh. I got faith. Faith always has its source, its foundation, and its object in the person of Christ. So it's not you wanting something to be true. It's God revealing to you what is true already. So that's why we need to be a people of the word and a people who meditate on the word and, and spend time in prayer so that we can actually hear what God is revealing to us to do. And then responding to it. Now Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 8 reveals the story of Abraham. Now it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. (laughs) You you see it? Faith moved Abraham. Why? Because the object of Abraham's faith was Jehovah. And he heard God speak to him. And what he spoke to him was, hey, I want you to get up. And I want you to leave everything that you are comfortable with, everything that you're aware of, all of your friends, all of your support group, all of your relatives. I want you to get up, and I've got an inheritance for you. An interesting thing is an inheritance is something that you receive, not something you earn. And so he's telling Abraham, he goes, I I want you to go into this place because there's an inheritance. And what did it say? And Abraham obeyed. So you see, friends, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Faith moved Abraham to leave everything he knew and was comfortable with to go to a place he had never been to simply because God told him to go. 
It wasn't faith in the plan. So I meet people all the time, good Bible-believing people say, well, what's the plan? I'm saying the plan is complicated. Because if you tell people you ain't got a plan, it makes them nervous, doesn't it? So you tell them it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, Here's the plan. God's going to speak and we're going to obey. No, 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 Tim. You need a five-year plan and a ten-year plan. No. You know what we need? Simply to hear and to respond. You see, don't, don't get me. I'm not, I'm not talking to you so much as I'm trying to get us to understand the American culture. The American culture of Christianity is kind of geared around me coming to church to see what I can get out of it. And so the the messages in most churches are kind of geared on, you know, five principles for this and how to have better communication in your family and how to budget your finances. And I saw one on uh, on a friend's website that said, uh, you know, uh, an eight-part series on how to deal with difficult people. I thought that was illegal. Anyway. Uh, and, and so what is it all geared of? It's all geared about what, what, how Jesus is going to make my life better. But let me propose to you that as we enter into the end times, if that's where we're at, and I'm not saying we are, I just, I'm just saying it makes us wonder. We need to be a people of faith. And come to the place, really, that that we believe what the Scripture says, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It isn't about God making our life better. It's about us hearing the voice of God and our obedience. You see, we throw this term around, oh, Jesus, Lord. If I said, okay, everybody who says that Jesus is Lord of their life, lift up your hand, everybody would lift up their hands. But I would say the lordship of Christ is only evidence in, by your willingness to hear and obey. Right? We talk about God being the sovereign ruler, but we're not letting him rule or reign over our lives. And so I'm saying we need to come back to being a people who have faith. And how did Abraham evidence his faith? He heard God ask him to do that which was completely unreasonable if it wasn't God. And he simply obeyed. We don't have time, but you could go look at Abraham when when he had Isaac and, and God calls him to offer Isaac up on the altar. Abraham had faith. Hebrews later reveals that he even he were able to raise him up again. And you saw the faith because when he was leaving his servants, he said, we will come back to you. How did he know? You see, he didn't have a plan. He didn't even know how it was going to all work out. He just knew that God was trustworthy. And I just am pleading with you tonight, friends, to realize that the God who saved you and cleansed you, took away all of your sin, is completely trustworthy. 
right? Because we settle into this area where we believe that when we ask Jesus to save us, but I kind of put it more, when we enter into the reconciliation of Jesus Christ, when we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths that he is Lord, that he, he's risen again, when we enter into Christ, we say, yes, I know I'm forgiven, But what kind of God do you have, my friends, that you can trust with the salvation of your soul, but you can't trust with your job or your kids or your checkbook? Isn't that weird? Yes, Jesus, I trust you with my soul and all of my sins, but not with that. It just doesn't make sense. Unless you think this is more valuable than your soul. I'm just saying, friends, you can trust him with your soul. Because he tells us that when whosoever shall call upon him, his name shall be saved. He said, you can know. But his promises for every aspect of your life are equally true and trustworthy. Faith this is now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen kind of carries the same truth a bit further because it implies a response, an outward manifestation of the inward assurance. The person of faith lives his belief. <coughs> His life is committed to what his mind and his spirit are convinced is true based on the revealed word of God. The natural man cannot comprehend that kind of spiritual faith. There's no such thing, though, as a faith that does not obey. I would just encourage you to completely just fess up, right? We can't get help until we're willing to admit we got a problem. And we go around saying we have faith, 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 but we have no obedience. And the reality is we have no faith if we have no obedience. Thank you for that amen, Pastor. It's getting awful quiet in here. I was going to start saying amen myself. Faith doesn't make something real, but it affirms what God reveals to the soul and is yet to be seen. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith moves us in obedience to what God desires when our senses can't certify what we've been called to do. I hear people say all the time that they have faith in God, but there's no evidence of their faith because there's no obedience to the revealed word of God. When Christ is the object, our surrender is empowered by his own life so that he is my obedience. And that is the very expression of faith. Why is he my obedience? Because where does he live? See, this is the beauty of it. He didn't even leave us to our own resources. He planted his own life within us to be our resource. Colossians tells us that he is our life. Romans 5.10 says that we were reconciled by by his death, but we are saved by his life. I ask most people, how are you saved? They go, by his death. I go, no, you aren't. 
the death took care of the sin. But you were dead because of sin. Now, sin got removed, but what were you? You were a forgiven dead person. What does a dead person need? Life. And so what does he do? He gives you his own life. And why does he give you his own life, friend? Look, if you're here and you're in Christ, you have the very life of God within you. Why? So that as you yield to him, he can express himself through you. He becomes your obedience. Your part, simply to yield. Simply to surrender. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Can you imagine what this must have been like? Not really. Right? You've never seen rain, never seen it, never heard anyone talk about it. And God tells you to build an ark. Faith was expressed in how he responded to the call of God. Now, us looking back, right, we're like, yeah, well, of course. But the whole world was mocking him. And if you begin to enter and to live by faith, the world will mock you. But don't be offended. Right? Because sometimes we get all worked up and get offended that the world... They don't have spiritual eyes to see and to hear what you hear. James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you, or show thee my faith by my works. Now, I don't see James and Paul kind of at odds with each other. I think they're verbalizing the same truth a different way from a different perspective. Faith always is expressed in works. True faith with its object and source in Christ is always expressed in action. We know that Christ is in us for a reason, and that is to express his life through us. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians, is it 2 Corinthians 4, 7? And I've got this in one of my notes for some time this weekend. He says, and we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of Christ and not of us. Why does Christ live in you? Because he wants to manifest his excellent power through you. I mean, that's not just for preachers, (laughs) especially not preachers. No, man, he's got that for you. So when you're at work, the excellent power of Christ can be manifest. And in your home and in your neighborhood, wherever you are and wherever he takes you, he wants to manifest his excellent power through you. And that's why he lives within you. 
Our yielding to the indwelling life of God is always an expression of faith. It caused Abraham to move, and it caused Noah to build. But what is it, friends, that God wants to do in and through your life? Faith brings me to trust God in the storms. When the storm comes, we may be tempted to question the goodness of God. And I meet people frequently when they're going through trials and tribulations who start to think, why doesn't God love me? Why did God allow this to happen? And, you know, I think we trivialize God by trying to answer all those questions. How is a finite mind like mine supposed to be able to grasp what an infinite God is working? I simply believe that he promises to use all things for my good. And you see, friends, usually it's in the storm that our attention becomes refocused on the foundation of life. You see it in the history of Israel. It wasn't in their times of prosperity that they were most devoted to God, but in times of despair that their eyes turned to God. You see, when the storm comes, we we question the goodness of God, but faith affirms that God is good in the midst of the storm. Faith looks to Jesus in the storm as the one who calms the storm. It's easy for us, like you go to work and your boss says, hey, you're doing a great job and here's a 10% raise. And you say, God is good. And you go down and you got a bonus and so you go down and buy that Audi for pastor. Because he's been driving that little, whatever, Mazda for a long time. And, And everybody says, man, God is good. And, 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 you know, this happens and you say, man, God is so good. But listen, when you get cancer, God is good. You see, there's trials and there's difficult things that we go through in life because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen, broken world, and we broke it. But God's good all the time. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 26 says, And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, interesting thing, he says, you have little faith. They had enough faith to get into the boat when he invited them into the boat. If you read this same story from the Gospel of Mark, it has some interesting kind of fun ways of looking at it. And, and, you know, they they get out there in the middle of the night and they're doing it. Now, what were these guys? They were all fishermen. 
most of them were fishermen and spent most of their life on that sea and that they were completely self-confident about what to do. So Jesus goes to the back and to the bottom of the boat and he rests and he falls deeply asleep and they're out there and they're rowing and they're doing their thing. <clears throat> and they're pulling all their fishermen tricks and a storm comes in and the, the idea, man, there's a tempest. The waves are coming into the boat and they're trying everything and they finally come to despair and then Mark, and I think it's in the gospel of Mark, they come to him and, and, and they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? I love it. Can you see it? Because that's exactly how most of us feel when we're going through a storm. First, we try everything we know to try to solve the problem. Because we're gifted. And then when it overwhelms our own abilities and our own sufficiency is quite lacking, then we go to God and say, what's he sleeping for? Because when he said to them to get in the boat, he says, we're going to the other side. You see, my friends, when Jesus invites you into the boat and says, we're going to the other side, the destination is never in doubt. But why does he allow us to go through these storms? So that we will come to the end of our own resources and live simply from the life of God. Because as long as we live from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of self-sufficiency, the tree of independence, we miss out on the experience of him who is our life. In the storm, the disciples forgot who was with them and who he was for them. And they started to question the goodness of God. And then their focus returned to Jesus. And what did he do? He calmed the storms. You might be tempted, friend, to think God doesn't care about you in the storm, but the reality is, is that God is using the storm to strip you of all your self-sufficiencies so you'll look to him alone. And why does he do this? Because faith pleases him. Mankind has a lot of strange ideas about what makes us pleasing to God. But the reality is that it always comes back to him and who he is for us. If you try to please God by your works apart from God, you will never succeed. The whole purpose of the law was to show us we could not in our own energy or out of our own resources be pleasing to God. To show us that we had nothing to boast in but in him who is the object of our faith. Faith expresses itself in a Christ-sufficient life and a life surrendered and fully dependent upon him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've come to him for your salvation. Right? You had to have faith. And what was faith in your salvation? Faith was believing that what Jesus did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection was the satisfaction, the atonement, that he was the paschal lamb, that he was the sacrifice that paid the price for your sin so that he might take away your sin and you come to the place and say, I could do nothing to save myself and Jesus alone saves me. And we readily adopt that. But Jesus is saying, friends, that same faith, that same saving faith is the faith that he calls us to to live every day until the trumpet sounds. So faith, it's not me believing something is true. Faith is our entering into what God reveals is true already. And faith always expresses itself in a response to God. Faith is what pleases God. And why does it please him? Because him who made us pleasing delights when we live completely dependent and responsive. him. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would speak mightily to our hearts and that tonight as we begin this Bible study or Bible conference, Lord, that you would have your way. We we believe, Lord, that we're in a most difficult time in our nation. And yet we know that our God is great. And yet sometimes we fall back and we live in our own ability, in our own resources, in our own reasoning. And Lord, we just want to confess tonight that you alone are Lord. You alone are sovereign. And what you call us to do, what you call to do through us, we will respond. For our heart's desire is to be a people of faith. To walk by faith, not by sight. To respond to your call. To go where you want us to go. To do what you want to do through us. To give whatever you want us to give, Lord. To be a people of faith. A people of obedient surrender. Now heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God have you in a storm tonight. You're trying everything you know to get yourself out of that storm. Jesus is simply speaking, remember me. Remember my promises. Faith. Hearing. And responding. If you're here tonight and you say, Lord, I want to be a man, a woman, of faith.
speak to me and I'll respond. I'll forsake all of my own reasoning and simply let you live through me. If that's your heart's prayer, would you raise your hand with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Father, we lift our hands and we just thank you for your wonderful love, your incredible patience with us. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that you gave to us at the cross, that when we would fall back to our own sufficiency, you would just allow circumstances to come into our life to remember that you're good all the time, and that you alone are Lord and sovereign. We yield ourselves fully to you. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray.